it doesn't sound like a deadly height, but, uh, and little did I know it actually very, very much was. But um, in the moment, I had an unbelievable piece um, that, that I could only explain as supernatural. It just didn't, um, the, 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 that reality setting in of like, I'm going to just have to fall. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my preaching, my books, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. Well, hey friends, we are here with Scott Madison, my dear friend, and uh, Scotty, how, how are you? Very good. Uh, Scott and I have known each other for about 10 years now, yep. maybe more. Yep. Uh, we used to work at a church together. Uh, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we shared an office with the uh, the one and only Joel Hansen. Oh, boy. And when all three of us were in the office together, <laughs> which was rare. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, not much got done nope. other than watching many, many YouTube clips. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because I don't work there anymore. But, uh, so, Scott, uh, you are husband to Tammy. And two kids, and you've been working at Church of the Open Door for, gosh. 17 years, I think. 17 years. Yep. Okay. Weird. And uh, tell us a little bit, Scott, I know you grew up in kind of a funky, intentional community, <laughs> correct? Yes, I did. So tell us a little bit about that experience, sure. growing up with your parents and this intentional community, <laughs> and in yeah. sort of a bizarre Christian world. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people would call that, um, I mean, we like to call it a fellowship. <laughs> uh, names I've heard more recently are more things like cults or yeah. convent or things like that. Um, yeah, I grew up in, a, in a, um, a community that was started by a group of families um, who were over even in um, St. Paul and Summit Avenue, I think was the first time them as families uh, got together, started sort of a home church. But this is, man, I feel like it was in the 50s yeah. or something. I mean, it was pretty early into sort of that world. They bought a big mansion, all moved in together, shared resources, shared everything. And, and like how many families in the beginning was this? I think that's I five, think four or five families okay. max, yeah. Um, and they had uh, somewhere in that time, they got kind of a call that they felt like to send uh, missionaries all over the world. Um, and I think, if I remember right, the uh, number was like 100. Oh, if we could send 100 people... Um, to minister the gospel all, you know, wherever God yeah. calls us. That's that's our call. Uh, not long after that, they actually outgrew, there was enough people that wanted to be involved that outgrew that house. And so they went and bought a bunch of land out in West Bloomington, middle farm fields, absolutely nowhere, and bought a bunch of land and started to be, try to become self-sufficient off of the land and off of things that they could make wow. and sell at, like, the mm. um, Minnesota State Fair. Yep. Like, and they would just... Somebody who had a whittle wood tractors, and they would just do that, and then that's what they'd sell, and they sort of sustained. So over many, many years, uh, my parents uh, met at Bible College uh, there that they had started. Um, they had multiple business ventures throughout over the, the many years we were there, um, including uh, making camping trailers, pop-up trailers, um, publishing company, uh, Lefsa Grills. Uh, uh, no lie. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of different things like that, um, and so for those of you who aren't in Minnesota or, or Norway, Lefse is a bizarre Norwegian, Swedish something. It's a it's sure. a kind of looks like a tortilla, but it Very really much. isn't at all. It's yep. made out of potato. Yep, and a little butter and sugar on that. Roll sugar. that up. Yeah, it's good. Tastes exactly like it sounds. It's kind of a Christmas thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so 
Uh, in fact, you can actually still buy that grill, I believe, at Target or whatever, and it's just called the Bethany Heritage Grill. And it's like this flat griddle, which is yeah. great for making pancakes or whatever. Anyways, they, um, yeah, it really eventually became one of the largest uh, Christian publishing companies in the world. Um, multilingual stuff, a lot of um, stuff down to bookstores in like, um, they started down in um, South America as part of the missions uh, deal. And a college of missions to learn how to go be a missionary. Um, so... Uh, it was an interesting environment to go to college there. You also had to work in one of these, yeah. you know, right? As part of the um, sort of work-study deal. And uh, so I grew up exposed to lots of different college people sort of intermingling with my parents and their in their professional careers. And when I was a kid, they were very professional. And, you know, my dad managed a big warehouse yeah. and things. Um, so it really grew to be an enormous um, uh, place. And growing up, couldn't think of any place better to be because it was all that land, fenced off, separate from the world. Um, if you've ever seen the movie The Village, uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, I have for not those, seen that one. If you haven't, it's 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 very um, interesting and sort of indicative of, of sort of what we grew up in, this isolation that was sort of surreal. So when I graduated from high school and, and experienced the real world a few times on my own, it was fairly uh, shocking because we all ate together in a massive cafeteria dining yeah. hall. We, we had assigned seating for many no. of those years as families quarterly got grouped into tables together. Now, did they, did they separate boys and girls as they got to be 14, 15? No. Were there, no? No, there wasn't that. Um, no, because we all stayed together as family units. But there, the some of the social dynamics that were weird was like if I spilled milk at the table, it was um, my parents didn't get to choose if I was going to get a spanking. <gasps> I was going to get a spanking because that's what you do if oh. your child misbehaves. No matter what. Yeah. So there was wow. numerous times where, um, uh, of course, that you know has created a little baggage for us. But had some great healing moments um, not many years ago when my parents just apologized for that sort of stuff and like, oh wow, well, we didn't know any different. But I could tell the sort of weight that carried for them um, yeah. that was very wearing on them. Um, and I think that's part of it. Eventually, um, separated like um, so many Christian organizations do when the sort of the original visionary uh, generation starts to die off or yeah. not be able to fill that role anymore um it people start to um you know people in power humans in power um yes. it, i just don't know um, i think of it a little bit like um socialism there's a certain part of socialism that in theory oh should work should work great it's great yeah. right and then humans get involved yeah and then there's power and then there's people fighting for power and yep. there's politics in it so we experienced that at some point uh, uh, about the time I was uh, about to graduate from high school. The whole fellowship sort of split in a, in a massive sort of, uh, we want to make sure you're being loyal to us. So, yeah. you know, here's some stipulations and, and 22 families at the same time said, nah, we're not going to do that. So my parents in their 40s um, ended up having to go buy their first car, their first house. Yeah, because again, like if you're not aware of what an, uh, an intentional community does, you share every resource. Yep. No one owns a car. Yep. No one owns a house. Yep. Uh, you deposit your paycheck into the community pool and yep. some the finance group yep. makes sure everyone has what they need. Correct. And you sign up for the car if you need the car. Absolutely. And if you, you know, and so it, again, in one level, like it sounds so great. Right. I mean, like, yes, I mean, let's share lawnmowers. Let's not all own everything. <laughs> right. But it, it comes at a cost too. Yes. Yeah, it does. And um, strangely, you would think after having this much baggage or, or having gone through that, and it was fairly traumatic for my parents, but 
uh, even at this stage and an age of my life, I actually would am not totally against the idea of trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. I haven't written off yeah. the concept as a whole, um, which you'd think I would because I've seen sort of the worst of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there is something there that's very beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I think about, I can't find many examples of Christian organizations or churches even for that matter for who's, uh, who are really built around a strong personality type of a leader, yeah. uh, when they move on for whatever reason, uh, that it keeps sort of that same identity, yeah. uh, the same sort of energy, and it yeah. just continues to grow and prosper. It usually kind of goes the other way. Um, well, I think, I think I heard someone say once, like, every great movement starts with this transcendent spiritual awakening, yes. and it's pure, and it's beautiful. And yep. it's, I mean, you maybe can't say everyone, but most. Yeah. And, and, and then that visionary leader carries it, but when they're gone, yep. that transcendence turns into rule, turns into law, turns into yes. this is what you have to do. Yep. And then it loses the mystery. It loses the transcendence. And it becomes trying to create uh, something that used to be, and everyone's pretending that it's still there, but it's no longer there. Yes, absolutely. And if you think about... Um, so applying that sort of, we grew up into that, or, or, or uh, a company or organization that's been around for a long time, those rules that are in place, everybody who was part of those going into place understood the reason in the process to get there. Younger people or younger generation growing up into that ministry uh, doesn't understand why that's there. So to them, it is only rules. Yeah. It's rules and right. laws. The spirit of it is, in, right. is no longer it, understood. It's gone. Yeah. All right. So Scotty, you... Um, you you do so many things at Open Door. I'm going to say essentially many Sundays you stand behind the soundboard and you mix. Yep. But you're unlike most sound guys in that you are really taking in the DNA of this place. You've been there for 17 years. Yep. And you're not just mixing. You're you're listening and you're a five on the Enneagram. I think four. You're four. Yeah. I've had a lot of oh, uh, you yes. guys in the, the more recent podcasts even have been helpful over the last few years where I think uh, I was really, I was strong in both. Yes. Um, and I was trying to, I was really having a hard time kind of identifying and then eventually did through a bunch of other um, things, listening to Roar's um, yeah. work and reading um, that stuff that's so great. And then other things like your podcast that have helped sort of identify even clear that uh, I'm four. And in fact, I feel like you and I, uh, I can identify with you in a lot of ways because I think my three wing is actually stronger than my five. There are just parts yes. of the five that I totally get. Yep. But the the success in individual uh, yep. individuality and um, how much I want people to know how special I am, uh, that's just yes. screaming for. Yes. Um, and, but really, I was I was you know started with the stereotype of the starving artist yeah. and who's always melancholy and whatever, right. and that's just not been my experience. So it seemed um, once I got past that, it really blossomed yeah. into what it is uh and also empathy is number number one strength yeah so it's interesting because um as a four i feel everything very deeply yep um in real time and uh can be overwhelming uh, anything can kind of be a trigger that sort of shuts you down because it just feels so strong it's like yeah. i can't take it but uh that in combination with an empathy which does not for me result in compassion i do not yeah. If, the, if there's a non-compassionate... That's uh, your three wing coming out. Right. It actually. is interesting. It is. Yeah, right? Uh, empathy is being able to put yourself in other people's shoes and understanding how... Wondering how is that... How, is this, how are they receiving this? Yeah. 
uh, a conversation I'm having with you, I'm probably focusing more on how you're receiving what I'm saying than what I'm actually saying. For sure. More aware of how this would make you feel yep. than how it feels giving it away. And that's that's the feeling center. That's the Strong. two, three, four feeling center. I would I would say almost the exact same thing. Yep. In fact, I remember I was doing this this teaching thing the other day with 20 people. And with a big crowd, you don't necessarily do that as much, but mm-hmm. with 20 people, and there was this one person that I was that I was pretty sure was not picking up what I was putting down. And so I'm doing the whole teaching, but she's this person is so big in my mind, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what am I saying? I mean, I'm literally yeah. picking up everything she's so so yes. Yeah. And that can also be um that has some drawbacks for sure. Um, it can be a yeah. very exhausting experience because you don't, you're trying to experience it from everyone else. Yeah. So confrontation and things yeah. for me are, is, a, is a nightmare. Yes. Um, uh, I avoid it kind of at all costs, yes. um, which is also very three-ish. But uh, there really is a struggle in um, feeling so much that it, you, it will burn you out. But the beauty of it or the beautiful side of it is being able to see beauty um, from so many different perspectives. that. Uh, um, very simple, mundane things can yeah. actually be spectacularly beautiful. Yes. Um, and if you put a spiritual bent on it, it can be very transcendent yes. again in uh, in moments. So when I'm actually doing a very technical job and a, a very um, uh, logical work, um, I'm also the other half of my brain is awake and aware and listening to the people around me and to yes. this congregation and, and wondering, are they with me? How are yes. they receiving this? Are they... Uh, connected to this, um, if they get louder, uh, I, I might actually respond to them <laughs> in running sound and make it louder. Or sometimes yeah. they make it quieter to show that it, let them carry it. You know, there's yes. it's a very interesting. So there's an interesting balance in in my job and my profession, my line of work. There's some people who are just it's straight gear. It's all about equipment. Yeah. It's all about technology. Musicians and boom, totally. Yeah. And we just care about that part. And as long as that part's working right, good. Uh, and for me, it's like that's the beginning, and that's yeah. part of the uh, what my the plow that my hand is on. But what I'm actually paying attention to then is is very much in real time, trying to be aware of we call it taking the temperature of the room, trying yeah. to see if something changes, right? And then we all respond to it. So it's it's a blast because as a uh, a former musician um, and a creative person, uh, I get to respond yeah. in real time to things that I think God's doing, um, and. As much as the band is putting out, the, the dirty little secret that nobody really knows is that we are actually in far more control of what is coming yeah. at people than the band is. We yes. can actually we, we can control things far more than I think most people would want to, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. the bands would like to admit. Um, so there, it is a very powerful tool. Um, and using it in a strong way that's like, uh, but we don't want to lead content. Mm-hmm. I've always sort of wrestled with allowing to the message to be coming through first and eliminating distractions, but we're also using our gifts as best we can yeah. to you make sure the that works and, and if yeah. it's, make sure it's working for people. Well, Scott, about a year ago, I'm switching gears here uh, to this thing that I really wanted to ask you about. About a year ago, you had a pretty horrific accident at Open Door. Yeah. And I was there that day. I was picking up Isaac and I showed up in the gathering place. Hmm. Joel was out there yeah. talking to someone, and his face was just white. Oh, and I came up and said, what's happening? So walk us through what happened, and then I have sure. some questions <laughs> sure. about the recovery. Uh, yeah, I was uh, working up in a single-man hydraulic lift. Uh, some people call him a cherry picker or whatever. It's just a 
uh, an, uh, a lift, a, a little steel cage you can stand in, and it raises you up really high. Um, I was working with a, a coworker who was on the uh, down on the floor, and we were moving some cables around, and he was helping me. Um, and so I was up in a, this basket pretty high, and those when you're really up high, it can be fairly uh, disconcerting. It moves yeah, around a little, a little bit. It's got a little swing to it. Uh, and I'm, I've always been afraid of heights, so I've never and really... And you're 30, 40 feet up. Yeah, was, yeah the, the thing maxed out at 32 feet, and I okay. believe I was pretty close to the, the full height of it, um, which is where my feet are at, right. is at 32. Right, so your head's at... <laughs> yeah. Because you're, you're a I'm, tall wookie. I am, yes. Your uh, head's at about 40. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and just, a, we had a really strange uh, sort of sequence of events in me starting to come down. Uh, my help on the ground had changed something, and... We were moving a very heavy set of cables um, over my head, and we were taking down one one at a time alongside this basket. But something happened where it caught the corner of the basket, and I I really do believe that a zip tie or two that down the line snapped and broke as we were moving. It had been up there a really long time, and the full weight of that cable then started pulling against this basket and started to tip it over. And you start moving, you know, a distance before which you normally move, but there comes a line you kind of cross and go, no, that's more, this is more than... We're not swaying here. Yeah. Now, now we're going down. And um, uh, I've been in this business for a long time, and so I've heard stories of what happens to guys who, in, in lots of industries, but doing this work in a lift, what happens to the guys usually that go down in that basket and, and hit the ground, and it's never been good. Yeah. I've never really heard of any good outcome from that. So uh, I, it immediately crossed my mind, like, if I can get out of this... Uh, get out of the I basket. Get, get out of the basket. I should, and really, um, it, the basket starting to tip over took me right past a horizontal bar of we'd call it trussing or whatever, but the crisscrossy bars. Yeah. You know, um, it took it was taking me literally within inches of that. It was going to pass right along it, and so I did my best American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Uh, imitation. Laugh, it's not funny, but oh my I, gosh. And dove out of the basket and luckily got my arm around the top of that thing and, and just held on for dear life. And that lift went down with an enormous uh, boom that just shook the foundations of the building. And that caused some people to come in into the room um, to see what was going on. And uh, it, it, yeah, so uh, in hanging there, uh, I, I really, um, it's amazing how much thinking you can do in such little time when adrenaline is fully on and, and whatever, you know, uh, there's a lot happening every instant. Yeah. Um, and I can remember uh, all of the thoughts and the questions and the wonderings in my mind of, uh, oh, how do we get out of this? How quickly can we get down? Is there a ladder tall enough? Do we have cushions somewhere that I can drop on? Is there, um, uh, and the guy on the ground who was helping me just was kind of running around like, where, tell me where to go. What can I grab? What can I get? And uh, it didn't, it, just, it took very little time to realize I'm not going to be able to hang on very long because I'm just not that strong. I tried to throw my leg up over the top of the bar a little bit to get a heel. I thought if I could get yeah. there to kind of shimmy up over the top and we'd just be good. hang there for a while. Yeah, I could hang out. We'd, we'd have 10 minutes for them to drop me down. But I, I, I wasn't, and I wasn't going to be able to keep holding on very long. And, uh, and we weren't going to, there was just, I couldn't, I knew every option and I knew that there was nothing that was going to be able to get up that high and, and come get me. So uh, I told the guys on the ground who were in there by then that that's probably, I'm going to have to just let go. And so they actually somehow superhumanly moved the lift that had fallen right underneath me and was still underneath me. They had pushed it a couple of feet out of the way to give me sort of a, the thing weighs a, just a ton. Yeah, like how do they do that? Even? I, that's unbelievable. Right. Uh, and so then I had a, a clear piece of 
concrete floor beneath me. And uh, I'm, I was just rapidly calculating in my head if my hands are at this height and because I know where this thing's hanging and that means I'm, you know, I'm six foot five and my arms are stretched out. That's got to be another couple of feet. Is that eight feet? So my feet are 20, you know, some odd feet off the mid 20s, 25 feet off the ground, 24 feet. Um, it doesn't sound like a deadly height, but, uh, and little did I know it actually very, very much was. Yeah. Um, in the moment, I had an unbelievable piece um, that, that I could only explain as supernatural. It just didn't, um, the, 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 that reality setting in of like, I'm going to just have to fall. Yeah. And, uh, but I'd rather fall and let go under my own control when I need to, rather than being totally out of control. There's just something weird about how that was helpful. Um, but I really did have a lot of um, peace about it, more so than I would now, knowing how, what I went through in recovery. But um, in the moment, it was really wonderful and just kind of went, I guess this is it, and, and took a breath and let go and, and dropped and, and thought of myself as a slinky stretched way out and hit the ground. And, and um, I did end up breaking uh, my ankle uh, in a couple places, pelvis in a few places, my, a couple vertebrae in my back. Um, but uh, another sort of miracle is, is that all my momentum took my upper body forward into my legs as I sort of collapsed and clumped up in a ball on the ground rather than backwards, Back. which would have been a head injury and, and almost certainly would have been pretty traumatic, um, far worse. Yeah. So um, it really, um, yeah, it was, it was fairly bad, but um, it was sort of a, strangely a gift to do it in a place. My wife uh, works um, yeah. at the church um, with us. And so she heard the first huge boom and uh, just knew that that sound wasn't right and came running in. And so she was there within seconds of me. She heard the second boom. Yeah. And she knew that that's probably a person. Oh. She just somehow knew that in her gut. And so she came in and immediately went into like management mode. Yep. It wasn't, it Panic. wasn't about comforting me or anything it was all about what are we, how are we going to manage our kids? You know, who's going to get, talk to them and get them home from school and whatever. Wow. Cause she's wow. in. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So I remember, um, I think it was the next day I came and visited you in, hmm. in the hospital and you probably don't even remember. I mean, yeah. honestly. And so it was me and Terry yep. Steinmeier and I remember how lucid you were. Yeah. I mean, you were very, I expected you to be out of it. Yep. I mean, drugged up and we and you were talking about it. You were, and there was, you know, your wife, Tammy, mm -hmm. she was there. And then pretty soon they outfitted you with this horrific <laughs> yeah. back. Well, what would you call it? It was sort of like a, like a big hero six superhero clam uh, compression clamshell thing. I call it like a turtle shell almost. Yeah. Uh, for my, the kind of the, my whole abdomen was compressed into this um, shell that would, immobilize my spine yeah um and i was gonna have to be in that for for uh, at least many many weeks and yeah. if not many months um which is pretty daunting um yeah. and i i'm actually very thankful that i never lost consciousness in the whole in yeah, the whole process that's I didn't, so bizarre i remember every moment i can remember what it felt like to land i can remember every single piece of it uh and i think interestingly i i'm very i'm thankful for that because there's less mystery yeah and i just I was able to process all of that sort of uh, and be aware of some things that were happening, including some spiritual yeah. confrontations happening that were very, um, I'm thankful for. Yeah. Uh, I think I would, uh, the, having a mysterious dark moment of losing time and yeah. just going, and then bad things happen would probably cause me more 
post-traumatic issues yeah. than, than having been aware and and um, and the yeah so yeah so Scott you were obviously off of work at home in recovery pretty helpless for several months yep talk to me about what that did to you and what I know that there was some invitations that yep. you sensed from God there was some there were some really um, powerful experiences you had yeah. in the midst of that helplessness. Yeah. Uh, and really, you know, you that's where the three wing on the Enneagram comes in. Remember, we wake up. I mean, I'm a three. I'm a pure three. You're a yeah. three wing. We wake up and we've accomplished nothing in hmm. our lives. And so for me, I think about to be at home, yep. laid up, and having to get help in everything. Yep. Everything yeah. would be so demoralizing and identity stealing. So talk to us about, talk to me about what happened. Um, first, on a, on a fairly, slightly more surfacey level, uh, I've used the word community a lot. We've yeah. talked about community a lot. Um, uh, our church talks about community a lot. We throw that word around a lot. Uh, I, I was very surprised uh, immediately what community sort of in action and being the looks beneficiary like. of that yeah. um, looks like. Um, and it was powerful. Yeah. Like I was just, we were constantly sort of shocked by the amount of, of help, the quantity, uh, the quality of people uh, jumping in and just wanting to do whatever. Um, so blessed by that. And it was absolutely wonderful. Um, but yeah, laying in bed for months on end and, um, Having been, it's not also, uh, it's coincidental, but it also matters that I turned 40 in the middle of this <laughs> recovery, right? <laughs> so there's, there's even a bit of like midlife crisis stuff that's yeah. in this that's really intriguing um, because uh, I didn't want to, it didn't make me want to buy a red car, a Corvette and, you know, move to Southern LA um, and live a good life and start over. Yeah. But I can, I can see how with less, such an enormous life interruption and trying to like what starting over looks like and feels like from a distance, I could yeah. see it from there. I yeah. could, um, uh, and yeah, I was immediately confronted the first maybe day or first night even, um, by not being able to be productive. Yeah. Um, and nobody was putting that on me. No, everybody, I of course mean, not. Obviously. Right. Um, but you're doing, I mean, you're feeling it. You're feeling it internally. Yeah. yeah. And right to the point where I couldn't rest. Yeah. I was very resting. I couldn't move. <laughs> um, but in the midst of that, I could not rest or calm down. It was, and not because of my accident, but because I needed, I wanted to be able to manage still parts of my recovery, what people were doing or weren't doing. Um, and my wife, you know, who I thought I understood the full breadth and width of her capability uh, and what kind of love she's capable of. But uh, I guess you, you, it's, you never really know until you go through something like this and her grace and compassion and ability to care for me with dignity um, in the process of this. And yes, she had to do very awful things. There's lots of parts of my body that swelled up and turned black and like black, black yeah. that no one ever wants to know or see or anything. Um, you know, going to the bathroom was an enormous ordeal for yeah. four months. Yeah. It just, it took a kind of a, 
an act of Congress yes. oh. to go to the bathroom. Um, that's hard to um, gloss over. Like yeah. that becomes big time work. And yeah. so it didn't take long before I realized, gosh, not only am I not going to be productive, but now um, the things I can do feel small and puny and, and sort of things that we've always taken for granted. Um, in the midst of this time where I'm supposed to be just shocked and thrilled that I'm alive. Yeah. Because it is a gift. Right. And And this life is... A gift and never more so than I mean if I'm a cat I think I used eight and a half of my lives <laughs> on that uh, one on fall. that one fall so you know uh, I should I'm I am very grateful but it's weird how I'm, that's not the most ever-present thing to me all the time um, you do get used to some sort of thing yeah. like that and you just so now we're managing situations we're managing recovery um, and uh, that confrontation of productivity I just immediately kind of went with I uh, started asking that question, following that rabbit down in the hole uh, to see how deep it would go. And where it led me um, pretty quickly was back to identity yeah, and back to um, the idea of being the beloved of God, of an all-loving, unqualified uh, love, fully accepting of who and what I am, whether I can do anything for him or not. Uh, and there was a lot of time of not doing anything and to uh, understand that that wasn't going to affect anything about what he, God thinks of me um, was pretty revolutionary, yeah. even though we've talked about it a sure. lot. I've been in this conversation forever. And I, but I think, Scott, like, can I just throw in? Yeah. What occurs to me is for most of us, when we say, like, you know, love by God apart from what we do. Yeah. In order to feel that, we sort of have to take a voluntary fast from something. Well, yes. I'm not going to, okay, I'm just going to take a month off of work. But you're still in control. Yep. You know what I mean? You were not in control. Yes. Like there was no control. So it was an involuntary, unplanned yep. journey into will I be loved by God for nothing other than my my person? Yep. Yes. Uh, the the answer I know in my head is yes, I am loved. Of course, uh, no doubt in my head. But what it means to live out from that understanding is something very different. Yes, um, it started to occur to me that uh, all of the things I would do to sort of manage, or the the, the even that com- compilation to need to produce and make things, or make something better, or fix something at all times. Uh, to better the world, even with a God complex of being able to do that professionally in a church, it's like it's got a lot of spiritual ramifications. Um, even that wasn't the most important thing. This, all of that is sort of uh, fluff, and the, the concrete base of our existence is the fact that we were created as we are yep. by the Creator who starts at love and ends at love. Yeah, yes, there's just yes. nothing we can do to change it one way or another. Now, I've used I've listened to that my whole life with my upbringing and whatnot as an evangelical tool to get people saved. Like, <laughs> God loves you. Yeah. Um, it'll make your life better, yeah. all the things. And, and, I, and I just realized that so much of that, um, I just didn't care about at all anymore. Now I wanted to know, um, not only does God love me, if he loves me that much, can I love me that much? Can oh. I accept that he made me this way, laying here doing nothing. This is all I got left is sort of how I'm wired. Is that enough for me to accept 
but that's worth loving. See, that I think is the, is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a conversation yesterday and I was telling my friend this thing that I don't really like about myself. <clears throat> and she said, okay, now, if you felt compassion for yourself, what would you sound like? <laughs> you know, which I think you're like, it's, it's, I don't know, Scott, that's so profound mm-hmm. that, yep, God loves us. Yeah, I mean, we almost, but, yes. But so can we love ourselves the way God loves us? I think, so my answer up until this very moment has been yes, of course. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if the answer is actually no. But it's a lifelong journey yep. of trying to get closer to that every day. Yeah. If I can accept just a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, in fact, that's sort of where uh, Enneagram stuff has sort of been a, a, a huge deal for me because it started to uncover some things about me that, uh, in ways that I'm wired that uh, God made me. And the question I had to answer um, uh, is, is it possible that it's that good? Is it possible that he's that good, that he made me to be that good? That these things, are, these aren't uh, quirks and things that I should, I need to manage, but just to sort of fully embrace and let it flourish. Yeah. And so much of my life, I've actually taken about half of um, the artist, half of my, my life and existence, I've kind of buried yeah. and mourned actually for years, like created some, maybe even some the root of some mental health issue, um, things with depression and stuff, because I couldn't fully embrace that side of me because I couldn't justify it. I couldn't make money doing it. I couldn't, yeah. it didn't, it what didn't produce. It didn't make yeah. society better or whatever the thing is, the, the need to make things um, go, to stay as part of the, the machine of the world kind of propagating itself. I, it didn't do that. So yeah. then it's like, clearly there's no value there. Shut it down. Shut it down. Yeah. And I did for years. And, and what I noticed through this process is, that hand came back up through the grave and out of the dirt and just waved at me and said, I- I'm still here. Whoa. You can't, I don't know what you want to do about it, but I, you can't, I'm not going away. I'm still here. As much as you want to ignore me, it's, it's still part of you. And Enneagram was what was turning that light on for me that really, it was emotional in so many ways because it was somebody was reading my mail yeah. um, in ways that were just what profoundly affected me. And, then it, the confrontation then is, if God really wired me this way, can I accept that for what it is? Can I not try to manage it, make it better? Can I not judge it, but embrace that that's part of who I am? And my, the shadow side or my responses to certain situations, uh, it's not a judgment of that. It's, oh, yeah, that's my move. That, that, that's I'm aware it. of my move. Yeah, yeah. Which immediately uh, uh, takes the power out of how... Because out of the shame, right? Out of shame and guilt yes. is the power. Yeah. It's not in actually, I think, our core Mm-mm. natural sins. No. It's got to be in the shame and the things, the yeah. way that it affects you afterwards, yeah. not the actual act itself. Yeah. That's far more damaging. Yes. So an acceptance of who I am and how I work and how I'm wired, uh, that's why I, I think Roar talks about how he uses, um, we're going to use your sins, we're going to use the dark side, yeah. the shadow side to get you back to God. We're going to yes. find a way, to, that's going to be our path back to our creator who made us sort of this way. And we're going to redeem that yes. and celebrate the parts of that, that um, uh, are an image of God out in the world. That That is my particular role in the world. I have a very specific role to play that he needs somehow my fruition of his spirit in me uh, to do, to 
be with those I love, to be with people. Uh, I'm uniquely gifted and it needs to be part of the world. Yes. But it isn't, that's not the whole point. It starts at having to accept that that is good. Mm -hmm. He made it and he said and it was good. good. And it is good. Oh my gosh. I was so struck, Scott, by the picture of the, the hand coming out of the grave and yeah. saying, I'm not yeah. done. You buried me, but I'm not done. And that makes so much sense that now you identify as a four, yes. not a five. That makes yep. sense. And now I think about your photography and some yep. of the conversations we had and some of the planning meetings that we were in, and it all makes sense to me. I mean, yep. it all, it all. Um, so, oh my gosh. All right. So, um, s sort of no way we can wrap this up, but. Um, for people who would like to unbury mm. the thing that we've buried out of shame yeah. or um, if we don't want to fall 30 feet from a truck <laughs> and be confronted this way to get to that. And maybe that's the only way. I mean, maybe pain is the only way. But like what, what would you say to me, a three, that is always going to struggle with performance getting my worth from success. What would you say to us? Hmm. I'd probably start with saying, uh, using the old uh, GI Joe line of knowing is half the battle. Yeah. Uh, getting to know and understand being, uh, um, aware and willing to do the internal work of, uh, uncovering and exposing without judging, which is going to be tough, but we learn, I think we learn to do it and accept it. But, uh, who we are, how God wired us. Um, that's, we have to know who and what we are to, to have to confront whether or not we can accept and love that. Yeah. So that's part of that was, it was an outside resource sort of helped expose to me what I had actually done uh, with trying to put a part of me away. So the, I think part of that invitation is actually doing the work of study, doing the work of learning how some of these personality typing and systems which start can start very um, sort of surfacey and corporate in things like strength finders but yeah. if you just keep chasing down the ones that get more and deeper and deeper um, and uh, that's why I love the Enneagram four is it's just it's willing it goes into a place that's just so fundamental um, and spiritual yeah. that uh, it really helped sort of expose that and then 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 the confrontation is all, all I can say about that is uh, it, it's a it's a it's a question and it's an argument worth wrestling down. Yeah, it's just it's got to be worth it. Yeah, and I, coming from someone whose experience had been had a traumatic interruption, not able to just resolve it and say I got it figured out because that's what it sounds like right now. Yeah, and please, of course it's not. Yeah. Don't hear that. I yeah. don't have it figured out. Yeah, I'm actually shocked after so much of my life has been spent knowing that I'm loved by God that I still haven't necessarily, this reminded me that, shoot, I haven't totally got that. And I don't think I ever will, but that is a journey and a, a quest absolutely worth fighting for. Yeah. I hear that. I hear, I hear know thyself, you know, yes. um, and that your strength is your shadow. They're, they're interconnected. <laughs> uh, I hear the journey is continuous. You're not going to get there. I hear you say the journey, though, 
of finding the God that accepts and loves and cherishes and likes yes. the person that we are. Therefore, we need to follow suit. Yes. <laughs> and liking ourselves <laughs> is worth the journey. And, um, and frankly, Scott, I don't know. You know, I don't know if we can get there without pain. I mean, maybe we can. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I certainly don't think it's an agenda that we can say, okay, tomorrow I'm starting that journey and I will have it done by March 1st. <laughs> I certainly don't think it's that way. No. Yeah, uh, we've had, we have some shared friends who have gone through some fairly traumatic and awful experiences and who have um, also came to some sort of crossroads. Like yeah. I have to now act, I have to decide whether or not everything I've kind of believed up till this point is actually true yeah. or it's baloney. Right. Um, because this has forced that confrontation. Uh, I, I said at one point, I think there's some rarefied air for people who have faced their own mortality yeah. and faced it down yeah. and come out the other side. I think there is a certain, there's a gift in that process that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Um, but it does sort of pull back um, the veil, I yeah. think, in a way that lets you instantly cut through all of the noise and all the distraction that our lives we, we put into place to medicate in yep. whatever ways we are. It yep. sort of just disappears very quickly. Uh, and for that, I'm very thankful, yeah. believe it or not. Well, Scotty, I just I love the time that uh, you gave to this. I love your journey. And um, I love that we finally got to do this. You know, I've been sort of wanting to interview you about this, but I think it's also significant that we're hitting this at about the one year mark. That's right. We're about one year from, from the accident. Yeah. And so, um, man, I love you. Love and you too. Whew, uh, yeah, it's I so just, good. So at the end, as, as you know, you know, you're, you're, you listen, uh, I always end with sort of the mantra that we're dust and breath. Yeah. We're limited and limitless. We're human and holy and we're in it together. And I think that's true about us, you and I, yeah. but it's also true about humanity. I mean, I think right now I was just talking to, well, last week, um, Nish Wyseth said, it's like we're in free fall yes. as a, as a nation, as, yes. a world. as a world, we're in free fall right now. And the bottom hasn't hit. Like we right. haven't hit bottom yet. Yeah. And I agree with that. And yet we can still say we're in it together. And yes. I think there's a collection of human beings right now that are cutting, cutting through the bullshit and yep. saying, well, we're just going to be in it together then no matter, you know, come what may, whatever mm -hmm. fall uh, happens, um, we're going to get there together. I think it requires some trust uh, that there is good in each of us. Yes. Worth, worth seeing, worth living through the chaos yep. to be with. Calling out. Yep. And that's okay. an understanding that God is good. And can we say that in yep. the worst of times? Yeah. It's easy to say it in the best of times, yep. but can we really say it in the worst of times? Yeah. He is good. All right, buddy. I love you, Scott. Thanks so too. much, man. And um, yes, grace right. and peace.